Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. All right, so we are going to start a new series uh, this morning in the book of Proverbs. But let me ask you a question before we read the text. If you could ask God for one thing, if you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask him for? Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. And when he was a young king, God came to him and said, Solomon, what is, that, what is it that you want? And Solomon didn't ask for more power. He didn't ask for more success. He didn't ask for more money or more leisure or that things would go easy. He asked God to give him wisdom. You know, wisdom is a really important thing. Nothing more important than it. The Bible says it's more valuable than gold. Today, there's almost no one who seeks wisdom. We seek information, we seek data, techniques, money, leisure. We don't go after wisdom, we Google. So just take a sample size of the last 10 years in all that's gone on in our country where you can honestly say the thing that is missing is wisdom. So if you're willing and able, why don't you stand? We're going to read from Proverbs chapter 1. This is God's word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. and Let the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. And then 22. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. 32. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure. And will be at ease. And without the dread of disaster. This is the very word of God. Oh God. Make us wise. Amen. You may be seated. 
So the average person makes 70 decisions every day. Over the course of a lifetime, that's 2 million decisions. And if you think about it, the whole sum of your life really is the collection of all the choices that you've made to where you are to this day. So choices, should I stay in this career? Should I move to a new state? Should I go to grad school? Should I marry this person or not? Should I confront the coworker? You know, if you don't make good choices, it can be destructive because bad choices can blow up on you. And every choice that you make, small or big, is like a fork in the road. And often you really can't go back. So what does it take to make good choices? It takes wisdom. Are you wise or are you a fool? Well, it would be good to know, right? So let's look at this passage together. First, take your outline there. What is wisdom? Well, we know what wisdom is here by looking at some of the synonyms that Solomon uses. The first is insight. Insight is to notice the difference, to see distinctions where other people don't. It's like a master detective who walks into a crime scene, you know, like Sherlock Holmes. Now, other people see a few clues here and there, but Sherlock Holmes comes in and he sees like 30 clues and he already knows who the murderer is. But it's not only seeing distinctions, noticing small things, but important things. It's also insight with imagination. You know, one person might think, okay, I've got a decision to make. There's two options. I choose this or I choose this. But a wise person may actually see that there are actually 15 options. It's the ability to see distinctions where other people just see a blur. The second word is prudence. It means practical. It means having a good strategy to work out problems. That the wise person doesn't just talk about it, but can actually move towards solution. That a wise person can have not just insight, but foresight to accomplish things towards a solution. The next word is instruction. Now, this word is, a, is kind of a strange Hebrew word because it actually means character. It means that there is a, a depth of character in the wise that they have gathered through life experience that's actually humbled them. So if you put all this together... Wisdom is the competency regarding the realities of life. It is skillful living in how life really works. So take knowledge. Wisdom assumes knowledge. If you don't know anything about a subject, then you can't be wise. But you can have a lot of knowledge. You can know a lot of stuff and still be a fool. So is wisdom the same thing as being good and moral? 
Well, wisdom assumes that you're trying to be good and moral, that you're trying to move in that direction. But it's possible to be moral, upright, obeying the rules, and be good, and still be a fool. Because wisdom is not less than being good, it is more. Wisdom is not just following the moral rules. Wisdom is knowing the right thing, the best thing to do in 80% of life situations where the moral rules actually don't apply. Like you got two jobs to pick from. Both jobs are good. There's nothing wrong with either job. But the Bible doesn't give you any commands on that. So what is the wisdom in which job you pick? You can be knowledgeable and good and still unwise, but you cannot be wise without knowledge and moral goodness. Wisdom is the competency about the realities of life. Now, why is wisdom so important? In verse 32, it says, the simple are killed by turning off the path of wisdom and the complacency of fools destroys them. So it's not just unfortunate that a person is not wise. It can be disastrous. Folly will destroy your life either quickly or slowly over time. If you don't have wisdom, it will bring destruction upon you. And so some people are so foolish and they are so full of pride, they are ruining their life and they don't even actually see it. Second, so that's what wisdom is. Second, what kind of fool, what kind of fool are you? Here's a famous painting painted in 1490. It's called The Ship of Fools. And you see a variety of different kinds of people there and uh, um, lots of symbolism in this painting. So they're feasting and they're singing and they're eating and they're celebrating and they're just floating along, but there is no pilot. There is no one leading the ship. Except you might notice at the very top, in that bush at the top, is a skull. And the idea is that that's the pilot leading them. The boat is floating towards their demise. There was also a movie that came out called The Ship of Fools. And uh, it, had a, it had one of those old stars in it that some of y'all know, Lee Marvin. You remember him? Okay. Uh, it was set in 1933. And the ship is going, the steamship is going to Germany right before Nazi Germany begins. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Here's the opening lines from the movie. My name is Carl Glocken, and this is the ship of fools. I am a fool, and you will meet more fools as we go along. This tub is packed with them. Emancipated ladies, ball players, lovers, dog lovers, ladies of joy, tolerant Jews, dwarfs, all kinds. And who knows? If you look closely enough, you may even find yourself on board. Oh, sounds like the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Love it. Well, the book of Proverbs shows us that if you want to be wise, you have to find yourself on the ship of fools. 
You have to find out what kind of fool you are. Now, there are like six or seven different kinds of fools in the book of Proverbs. We're just going to look at the three that are mentioned here. Verse 122. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? So first, the simple ones. A simple fool is a person who is naive. They're unrooted, unrooted, unformed to make wise decisions because they're always going along with the crowd. Now, this kind of fool can be someone of any age, but often it falls to the young. Teenagers, young adults, young parents. And the simple fools can do stupid, unwise things that lead to harm in their life because they just care too much what their friends think. And typically, when you're young, the proposition that you would not be in the in crowd or that you would not be cool is devastating to you. The proverb shows us that young people can be so impacted by this that what everybody else is doing, they will actually go off the road into disaster. So the simple fool, their life is marked by an anxiousness over what others think. Now, the essence of all foolishness is not being able to handle disapproval, criticism, or correction. You know, social media, right? Social media is constant comparison. Most of what's put on social media is to show that you are worthy of human approval or to show that somehow your life is to be noted. That's what the like button is all about. To show others that you are worthy to be noticed. You know, young women, because of social media today, have more anxiety, despair, and depression than any other generation. So we need wisdom. So we should get some wisdom from Taylor Swift, right? Let's see what Taylor has to say. Here's the lyrics from her song, 15. Because when you're 15, somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. But in your life, you'll do things greater than dating the boy on the football team. But I didn't know it at 15. When all you want was to be wanted, wish you could go back and tell yourself what you know now. She's saying when you're young, you can be a fool because you want to be liked too much. And you might do things later that you regret she says, I wish you could go back and tell yourself what you know now. See, this is 25-year-old Taylor saying, I wish I could give some wisdom to 15-year-old Taylor. Or your 45-year-old self wishing you could give some wisdom to your 30-year-old self. Because you made some decisions and choices that you regret that you're still paying for. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have regret. You know what's very unwise about our culture? 
is everyone is separated into age groups that don't mingle. Most young people never sit long with older people to get wisdom. You got the retirees that are, that are over here. They live in a separate neighborhood. You got the kids in school, the kids in college, and then young professionals go off and work in the tech industry, and they're surrounded by people who are all their same age. So the young generation never gets to sit with the old and hear their stories. And older people don't sit with younger people to get perspective. But this is the great thing about the church, is that in the church, the young and the old, all ages can worship the king and get wisdom from one another. So if you're young, you should sit long with older people to get wisdom. Because really all of us are fools, young or old, if all we do is gather ourselves around age groups that represent nothing but the echo of our own voice. That's foolishness. The second kind of fool is the stubborn fool. Now in Proverbs, this word is most often just translated fool, but it means obstinate. And the main mark of this fool is that they are opinionated, they're wise in their own eyes, they're unable to learn knowledge or be corrected, very set in their ways, very stubborn, and they don't care what other people think. They don't listen to correction. Now, the simple fool listens too much to what other people think, but the stubborn fool won't listen to anyone. Now, this kind of fool can be anyone, any age, but it does tend to be the older generation. Where do you think we get the phrase, old fools? Now, about seven years ago, I realized I was starting to get old. So, I started making a list of Typical sins of older people. Now, I do understand my audience. So are you ready for part of my list? Here we go. Sins of old people, grumpy, stubborn, impatient, and complaining. Critical of others, they always have a them. Demand being respected, but respect not differing opinions. You can't help them unless you do it their way. They often want to teach you something, but not teachable. Entitled and demanding. Just ask any golf pro in Florida. Morally superior. Conveniently have forgotten the failures of their youth. They rarely ask their adult children to pray for them. They can't really be perceived as having needs. Often saying or thinking, young people just don't get it with music styles, etc. Believe that they are fair and balanced. They struggle to admit they're wrong. They can't receive correction. The fear of being marginalized and useless makes them overly opinionated. They won't let the next generation be the next generation. 
They don't ask the younger generation for advice or perspective. Do you have adult children? Is there tension? Is there unresolved conflict? Is there walls? Are there walls that are up every Thanksgiving? I mean, could it be that you're an old fool? I am. I'm an old fool. So I turned 60 last year, and on my birthday, my daughter-in-law, um, she asked me a, a, a very kind and thoughtful question. And it really, it kind of choked me up a little bit that she asked me. She said this, she said, what do you hope for in the next season of your life? And I told her, I said, I want to become a sweeter man. By God's grace, I want him to make me sweet. Now, why did I say that? Because I know what kind of fool I am. Do you? You know, one day, my adult children are going to come to me and they're going to say, Dad, we need to take away your driving privileges. So how will I respond? Will I respond in humility and, and sweetness? Or will I be an obstinate fool? We need wisdom. The third kind of fool is the mocker or the scoffer. Now, mockers are full of pride and they hate submitting to anyone. Their strategy is to debunk everything, act smug, know it all. Mockers, though they are fools, appear to many people as worldly wise and highly successful. Uh, sophisticated. They are actually sometimes successful, talented people. They actually have impressive resumes. They truly are an expert in some area of life. However, they believe that that gives them the right to be an expert in everything. So sneering cynicism is a habitual response. So in working on this sermon, I realized that sometimes I will scoff at something even though I haven't even heard the whole story. We live in a postmodern age that encourages deconstruction. Twitter and social media make mocking and scoffing easy. And if we're honest, it's hard to resist the enormous pressure that we feel. You know, think about this. We live in a culture right now where rolling your eyes and dismissing people is seen as normal. It's just part of the cultural landscape. So what kind of fool are you? We said the essence of foolishness is the inability to receive correction. And the simple cannot handle criticism because it's devastating to them. 
The stubborn fool refuses correction. They won't go to counseling. There's nothing wrong with me. But the mocker, how about the mocker? The mocker believes they're so superior, so high up, so accomplished, that correction is inconceivable. They are actually the ones that are doing most of the criticism. You know, Proverbs, Proverbs is full service. I mean, there's something for everybody. Young, old, loud. I mean, don't we all feel better now? No, I mean, we feel a little bit dirty. But to be wise, you must know what kind of fool you are. So how do you get wisdom? How do you get it? Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That verse is one of the most important verses in Proverbs. It's repeated over and over. It's so important that we're not going to talk about it. Because Brandon is preaching on it next week. And so I can't steal his sermon, all right? But we're going to look at some other ways about getting wisdom. So the Proverbs tells us that the fools hate knowledge. Foolish, the foolish despise instruction, correction, and discipline. So to be wise, you must seek wisdom. But there's a paradox in the book of Proverbs. You're to seek it. You're to try to get it. You're to try to go after it like a hidden treasure But there's a paradox because it's something that also is a gift. So first we need to seek it. We are to seek correction, instruction, to have mentors, to get advice, to go after it. In Matthew 7, Jesus describes a wise and a foolish builder. One man builds his house on the sand. Another man builds his house on the rock. And the storm comes and destroys the man's house who built it on the sand. So what is the rock? The rock is building your life on God's word. And so we are to read the Bible. We are to study the Bible. We are to examine the scriptures together. But the way you look at the Bible is important. It's important that you are to put yourself under it. You are to let the word of God rebuke you, correct you, examine you for foolishness. The book of Hebrews says this, that the word of God is like a two-edged sword, that you are to let it cut you. You are to let it do surgery on you, to cut you one way, but also to bring you healing. So we're to use the word of God, but we're also to seek it in Christian community. Look what Albert Hubbard says. The final proof of greatness lies in being able to endure criticism without resentment. To receive criticism, to receive correction without being defensive without resentment. You know, King David was confronted. He was corrected by Nathan. And King David had all the power. He could have done to Nathan what he had done to Uriah. 
But King David chose to repent, to receive the correction, because he realized he had been a fool. You know, when you go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor. When you go to the doctor, you welcome probing and scrutiny on your body. You give access to your private parts. You know, you say to the doctor, oh, yes, of course, when they tell you that you need an x-ray on your physic, for your physical health. So we let doctors examine us and prick us and they actually cut us sometimes to prevent greater wounds from destroying us. So why would you not let people who are closest to you in Christian community challenge you, correct you for the soul, for the health of your soul, so that your foolishness would not destroy you? Look what the Bible says. Let a righteous man strike me. That's a kindness. It's good for a righteous man to strike me. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A few weeks ago, um, I was in a really dark place. Uh, I was really discouraged. I was um, feeling a lot of despair and uh, I was moping around. And I went to my men's group and, uh, you know, these are men that know me. They know my stuff and they love me. And um, I was telling them a little bit about what was going on. And two of the guys in the group, I don't think they really knew it, but they told uh, me stories of related struggles. And in doing so, they corrected me. They challenged me. And like the scales fell off my eyes and I could see that all I was really doing was pouting. I was just having a pity party. I was just wallowing in my misery and I didn't need to be there. And I kid you not, I literally left that group that night having been corrected, seeing my foolish. I left that night with a burden that just fell off my shoulders. I left there with energy that I still have to this very day because they spoke into my life. I have gone to my adult children and I have told them that I want them to hold me accountable on at least three things. The first one is I want them to challenge me if they ever think that I am drinking too much because I have alcoholism in my family. Tragically, my brother died from alcohol poisoning. Second, I've told my kids that I want them to call me out if they feel like I'm being self-righteous, which so far they've been glad to do. <laughs> and last, I've told them to challenge me if after I retire from professional ministry that I am not on mission serving somewhere for Christ. So what about correction or criticism that comes from people who don't love you? 
who in fact want to harm you. This is what Tim Keller says. Even if only 20% is true, we can profit from criticism given by people who are badly motivated or whom we don't respect. Now, why? Because the gospel says that the worst things that people can say about you, the worst things that people can say about you are actually charitable compared to what you know to be true about your own sin and foolishness. That we have ugliness in our lives that our critics are unaware of. As Pastor Jack Miller used to say to his critics, he would say, well, you don't know the half of it. I am a lot worse than you think I am. The gospel is our defense to criticism. So we are to seek it, but we're also to receive it. The only way you can get the gift of wisdom is to know that despite your flaws and your failures and foolishness, that God is not going to punish you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to mock you. There are actually two kinds of foolishness. There's negative foolishness, which we've been talking about. But there's also a positive foolishness in the New Testament. Paul calls it the foolishness of the cross. Now, when Jesus came as the Messiah, he was saying, I'm going to make all things right. I'm going to conquer evil and I'm going to bring justice on the earth. Now, in the world's eyes, to do that, to bring justice on the earth, to get rid of evil, in the world's eyes, that means you're going to come as a general. You're going to come with armies. And you're going to come and you're going to deal with all the evil in the land. You're going to smite the evildoer. And you're going to do it with power. But Jesus goes to the cross. And in the world's eyes, that's foolishness. But the Bible says it is the wisdom of God. Why? Because when we look at all the injustice and evil and destructive foolishness in the world, when we look at all of that, every one of us has a theory about what's wrong with the world. We all have our own theory about what's wrong. And it's never us. It's always them. It's those Democrats. It's the Republicans. It's the Russians. You know what's wrong with this world? It's those people over there. It's never us. Do you know what that is? That's being wise in your own eyes. That's foolishness. The cross is the wisdom of God because it's the only way that God could end evil without ending us. And on the cross, they mocked Jesus, didn't they? They hurled insults at him. They hurled correction at him. They said to him, you're the king. You saved yourself. I mean, you saved others. Show us your power. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Do you realize that, that the folks that were mocking Jesus on the cross, you know what they were doing? They were calling him a fool. 
They're criticizing him as a fool. So how how did he handle that criticism? Well, this is what he said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They are so foolish. They cannot see how evil they they are being. You see, nobody really becomes a Christian. Nobody really gets Christianity. When their approach is this, you know, I just need to be a little better. Got a few problems in my life that I like to tweak. Think I'll get some church. No. You get the gospel when you see the foolishness of the cross and it humbles you to see your folly. Jesus is the wisdom of God, but he's also the foolishness of God. Foolish because the way he loves you. Jesus is a fool. Jesus is a fool for you. Do you know that? And he is asking you He is calling you to be a fool for him. And then you'll be wise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you make it such that your word preached this morning and read would expose us and humble us And Father, this summer as we're in Proverbs, would you help us to sit long with the ancient of days that we may get out of our foolishness, walk humbly before you, fall deeper in love with you, and become fools. Fools that have really, really fallen in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.